0: It's the Bonts 200th, and for a couple of Hawks, it's going to be their first as Hawthorne travel to Marvel Stadium for their fourth stadium in seven weeks. Fifth stadium in seven weeks, I should say. It is going to be an absolute belter against the dogs underneath the roof, probably, looking at the weather conditions as the Hawks take on Luke Beveridge's men. This is the Talking Hawks podcast, your one-stop shop for all Hawthorne news content previews and reviews connecting Hawthorne fans from all around the globe but not just to the not just to each other but to the club itself and you can like the show on google spotify or apple but if you go into apple and you leave a five star review and a rating as well. We'll be able to read them out on the show, just like we've got from uh, Kinner39 here. Great range of content throughout the footy season with post-match reviews, previews, uh, along with player interviews sprinkled without. Jeez, isn't Timmy doing an outstanding job with those? And the team rotates through so nothing gets stale. Geez, we've got a good content team here at Talking Hawks, the best in the business. Also worth checking out their YouTube channel for Wednesday night live stream. So we thank Kinner for that. And absolutely, you should be checking us out on YouTube with a subscribe. But I've got to get this intro done and dusted so I can introduce the great man Liam himself. You might know him from Soaring to New Heights. He is our statistician guru and our VFL and AFLW
1: expert. Great man, how are you? i'm very well des how are you and nice to be talking about the men's footy every once in a while love talking about the women's game Love advocating for it as you well know but nice to have a chance to talk about our men's team as well both teams mate, and
0: ab- boat. mate absolutely and they're going just a little bit better than vflw girls and our boys at the moment but we've got a chance to turn that around after a couple of close weeks but A little bit of piece of news about the club, mate, before we start about the game, is our uh, Indigenous jumper for our Sir Doug Nicholls round. Well, not our Sir Doug Nicholls round. The Sir Doug Nicholls round uh, has just dropped with Jarman Impy's impact being felt mostly amongst the playing group in the design of the jumper. I know this is usually Timmy's space because he's got about 840 jumpers at this point. But what are your thoughts, mate?
1: Love it. Love the fact that we've involved our players. Love the fact that it's so clearly focused on community gathering unity, all of which are significant parts of Indigenous culture. So it's a really great representation of the Indigenous people who have been involved in our club in the past and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are and will continue to be involved in our great club. No secret, our club's had some issues with how we've dealt with First Nations people in the past, but it's great to see we're taking steps to actively not just fix problems of the past but to actively be a leader in that space and I think society as a whole has a long way to go but this jumper is a great recognition of where we can go I love it yeah, great design I, I, great meaning
0: yeah I love the way you've summed that up mate I think it's outstanding and we're two for two at the moment Anzac jumper was unbelievable um I don't know Hawthorne fans got around it it does make me worry it does make me worry I should say are we just now due for a shocker? Are we going to bring the diamonds back? Are we going to bring some blue into the? I don't know what the next commemorative jumper is going to be, but We've it terrifies me, mate. Yeah, we're, we're on a roll at the moment. I'm, ju- I'm just worried. Let's make this the last one for a while and enjoy them uh, for Timmy's bank account more than anything else. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a fantastic jumper. Um, quick question on notice. It's not in our run sheet here, mate. Favorite First
1: Nations player at Hawthorne? Favourite First Nations player at Hawthorne. Growing up, as I'm, I'm a year younger than you, so we're about the same age. Probably, to be honest, Chance Bateman, growing up. Love watching him play, him or the big bud. Like, those two were just fun to watch. Chance always gave 100%. And, you know, guys growing up, I just wanted to see people give their best, and Chance Bateman was the epitome of that. And then, no matter how much you love the analytics of the game... There's just something about a bloke who's six foot six, runs like a gazelle and kicks at 70. <laughs>
0: there, there really is. And I know I've said this on the pod before, and this isn't the, the conversation that we're going to get tied down into. I've enjoyed watching Bud more at Sydney. I'm not saying he's a better player or anything like that, and I'm not downplaying his contribution. But like you said, uh, for, as the analytical mind of which we both are, sometimes he drove me crazy. He really did. And for understandable reasons, but geez, the things he could do, unlike anyone else, I'm a Cyril man. It's as simple as that. There's one man, it's 33, it's Cyril. Tyler Brockman in that jumper just fits like a hand in a glove at the moment. And considering that we've already talked about three or four players at the moment, Sean Burgoyne needs a mention as well, because what a player he was. was. It was on one leg when he rocked up to this footy club, mate.
1: Yeah, and then played more than as many games for the Hawks as he did after rocking up on one leg, won three flags. Um, probably should have made three All-Australian teams as the fifth, as the fifth man on the bench, because that's only <laughs> he could have played everywhere. And yeah. in my lifetime, played the greatest individual quarter of football I have ever seen in the last quarter of that 2013 prelim.
0: Yeah, yeah, crazy. Just insane. Or you love them all. We love all the hawks.
1: My dad will bring up I can't remember the game at the top of my head a quarter where Jason Dunstall kicked about eight and a quarter. Um mm. sorry dad, I wasn't born, so <laughs> Um, I have to go Sean Burgoyne in that twenty thirteen prelim. That was the best quarter football I have ever seen a Hawthorne player play in my lifetime.
0: Yeah, I like it. I think one of my first live streams we talking hawks, Chris went, Oh, were you he asked me, Were you there when I don't remember the event? But it was in like 1992, and I was like, "No, was still six years away." And he's like, "How does that work?" And I'm like, S- "From being born," and it's just yeah, yeah, we've so. got some we've got some youth in here at Talking Hawks. All right. Digis jumper looks awesome. congratulations to Jarman and for all of his efforts with the jumper. And, of course, the way he's playing at the moment going down well as well. But let's talk about the dog he's made. It is Oppo analysis. After all, in the offseason, they picked up Rory Lobb, Liam Jones, and Oscar Baker. And if I had have told you two out of those three right now would look like good moves, I'm not sure that would have been ultimately believable. But Oscar Baker at the moment is playing some pretty good footy. Jones has been pretty solid down back. Lobb's not playing this week. Um, I don't think off the top of my head. So, you he know, fine. good luck. But, like, oh, he is playing. OK, but is he,
1: though? Lib is their only out.
0: Yeah, but is we'll he? Certainly playing, played
1: last week. Is
0: he might walk out on the turf, <laughs> but is he going to play, though? That's that's the question. And we'll talk about that in a tick. But last year, mate, they lost uh, the elimination final to Freo after leading by seven goals. I don't know where you were when this game happened. I was at my missus' mate's place. And at quarter time, there was a, a big campaign, almost a verbal petition to turn it off. It was done and it was dusted. And then from there, uh, they didn't have any bark in their bite at all. The doggies they went down pretty meekly, and they're currently three and three.
1: Yeah, I think I think I went to bed at quarter time of that game or something. I think I might have been at an AFLW game or going to one the next day and needed to go to bed. So, <laughs> um, I was either I was either at the AFLW that day or the next day, and I'm just trying to work out which it was because it would have uh, been around.
0: But it's a good decision. It was a good decision at the time. Every nearly ninety percent of other finals, it would have been the good decision. They got the revenge on the Dockers last week. Absolutely smacked them uh, all over the ground. Maybe not necessarily on the scoreboard as much as it may suggest, but Freo were never in that game. But the the doggies' form is a bit strange to me, mate, because all three of their wins have come against top uh, eight teams of last year. Freo, Richmond, and Brisbane. Near two of those three going like bastards at the moment, but they've lost to top four side St Kilda, top eight side Port. Uh, away from home as well, and they've lost to Melbourne. So, so
1: the exposed form's not not that bad. Well, no, they're losing to good teams. Brisbane, I'm sorry, I was at Monica Oval, actually, because I live in Canberra for work at the moment last week, and Brisbane did not impress me one little bit at Monica, to be honest. Their midfield was slow. Their forward line, impotent outside of Cameron. And they were, they got away with having, honestly, having Jack Payne and Charlie Cameron in the team. <laughs> so... I. I, I I think the Dogs the dogs are a strong side and they are someone we have a lot to worry about. And especially as we're about to come to, I think, there's one end of the ground where I'm really worried about what they might do based on the two, the two lineups.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about that in a sec. We'll start with the Dogs because it's a lot easier to get out in one breath. But Bailey Smith comes in. Toby McLean uh, goes out along with Liber with concussion. McLean highly likely to be the sub. For the Bulldogs, just a good week to get a top ten player for the Dogs, not in the league, but for the Dogs, just back into the lineup, and it's a it's a straight swap for Libra in the sense of quality, but Libba's contested work does hurt them a little bit. He is the extractor for the Bont Jackson McRae guys like Bailey Smith, Adam Trelaw and the like. So it is an understated loss, Libra. Yeah, and that's actually one of the questions I had in my little
1: notes that I threw together. How will the likes of Bont and Adam Treloar adapt to not having that little in and under Terrier feeding them the football. Like they're going to have to do a little bit more on the inside. And I'm sure we've got a big potato eating Irishman who's willing to help them out in terms of feeling that.
0: Nash standing next to Bont is just, it makes me smile thinking about it. What a, what a lineup that would be. Um, no player last week had more clearances than Jack McRae, who had 14, and I'm not going to lie to you, mate. No one loves, and Smithy can attest to this, fellow Talking Hawks alumnus, no one in this, I don't reckon, on the planet, and that includes Bulldogs fans. I'm throwing them all in there. Loves Jack McRae more than me. The eye test did not tell me 14 clearances at all. I know seven of them were in the last quarter, and they were up and about, and that was fine. But it wasn't your, your 14 clearance game that, really made you go, oh, we're in massive trouble if we don't stop it. Oh, even an Oscar McInerney, he had 12 on the weekend uh, for Brisbane, seemed more impactful at the time. So I'm with you. I think it's a huge question mark over where they're going to get that contested ball winning from. I think we're top six in the league still for contested ball differential at the moment. We're definitely fourth for clearance differential, and that's only because there are a couple of teams on the weekend that had really big clearance wins against better opposition in the midfield than we had, obviously, with your Leeds, your Dawsons and the like. Um I do think contested ball is, some, is a way that we're going to be able to take territory and effectively get ourselves into scoring opportunities.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Dogs are a good contested ball team as well. They're ranked fifth in the comp for total contested possessions. Um, differentials are another stat, obviously, and actually probably more useful because they, they're more reflective of games. But, you know, the Dogs find the contested footy as well. But you rip Liver out of there, who gets about 8% of their contested footy by himself, mm. um, it leaves question marks, m- marks to me about how their midfield... We'll go. And look, Adam Trelaw is probably the one who's going to take a step further to the inside. Does that lessen his overall impact on the outside? Yes, just while they're bring back Bailey Smith to help that. So I'm really curious to see, because I've actually one of my best mates is a Dogs fan, and I was chatting to him. And he said the combo of Libba, Bont, and Trelaw has been exceptional all season. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious to see how that how that next player up mentality goes and how they adapt with a really important cog and probably based on the rest of their list, the hardest cog to replace, especially with, yeah. since they lost Dunkley, Yeah. the most difficult cog to replace. And I'm, I'm including Bond in that. Bond is the best player without question. The quality drop-off from him to anyone else is the biggest. However, he's, the, he's also not irreplaceable stylistically, whereas they've got no one who truly plays that liberal role around. And you, you can see the fact they brought in Bailey Smith to replace him.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah. how they adapt will be something I'm really keen to see on the weekend.
0: Yeah, and so how, I'm, I'm they can of...
1: start capitalizing on Timmy English and what he can do.
0: Yeah, I'll talk about him in just a tick uh, in just a tick big Timmy English, but the problem that I've got with the dogs and what gives me some sort of hope is I don't think the Bulldogs can win a granny without Bond. Oh, that's and that's common sense as we know. I don't think the dogs can make finals if Liber didn't play all year. The old ACL theory is if every player, if you know, if the dogs couldn't have one player do their ACL this year, I think Libba's number one on that list, outside yep. of Bont, anyway. Um, yeah, so I think of all the all the out. We don't wish for outs, so I'd like to think Hawks fans don't wish for outs, but they're good when they come along, and that is the especially, case with Libba,
1: especially not with a concussion. Like you, you don't. Yeah, wish, exactly. You, yep. What we now know about concussion, you don't wish that on your worst enemy.
0: No, absolutely not. And uh, the Hawks, mate, this might take 20 minutes to run through this, but I'll do it the best I can. Denver Granger Barris is dropped. Same with Cam McKenzie, Ned Long, and Connor McDonald. Max Lynch out with concussion. And in comes Josh Ward, which, by the way, not that I want to interrupt myself here, but I'm going to. When you have five ins and the least exciting of them is a number seven draft pick from two years ago, you're pretty happy, and I am at the moment, because the other four, and I'm not saying they're better than Josh or anything like that, I'm not denigrating Josh at all, but if I was to rank my excitement by the five ins, Josh is number five on that list every day of the week. Will Day, yes please, Mitch Lewis, and everyone right now at Hawthorne is thinking, finally, and then the two debutants, and don't we love them, Joshie Weddle, the man we traded up for to the chagrin of Hawks fans. I've still got receipts on new Hawks fans from draft day, let me tell you. And Maxie Ramston, who's been tearing it up in the VFL. And who would have thought, mate, exposed VFL form gets you a gig in the AFL. Wouldn't dream of it.
1: Yeah, almost like we have a VFL affiliate that's the <laughs> that's the leading team in the competition, and we have the, probably the leading alignment across the country. Um, yeah. A little bit, on, little bit on those two, actually. My brother... One of my brothers works as a trainer for Coburg in the VFL men's and v- and their, their women's team as well actually a lot with them but he's basically told me Josh Wendell can find the football like no one's business off half back at the moment he's just basically he was just too athletic for the VFL yeah and that Max Ramsen still looks a bit raw at times but he's got great hands and good skill and at the end of the day when you're six foot eight and 19 years old you can take that and if there's a tall
0: defensive group that you can be raw against this is the one to be raw against.
1: Yeah, a cricketer, an interceptor, and Tim O'Brien. And Tim O'Brien, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that. I like it. Um, yeah,
0: I think Josh – I mean, Josh Weddle's just so quick. He's so quick. He's so quick off the market. I, I ran the stoppage in space. I just hope we let him run free. A bit of like Seamus Mitchell, his first game. Roam free, son. Do what you do. And then week two, go and shut down Isaac Rankin if you can. Good luck. Uh, and I thought he did an admirable job. Um should have kept ranking extra. to two goals, I think. But it, when you can kick him from row eight, uh, you don't really have much of a chance there, unfortunately. Uh, but Jack Scrimshaw, the sub and likely the
1: sub again. Yeah. yeah. That, what What's Mitchell on that? though, was good. Um, intrigued. Probably the right the right word. Uh, hmm. I think Weddles come in. Maybe CJ might have been a better sub just with his extra run. Yeah, you know, a bit of extra, Scrimshaw offers a bit of size against the rainforest that I'm we're sure we're about to talk about. Even though he's not a tall defender, strictly he's six foot four, but he doesn't play that tall. I just think maybe a bit of extra size might have been nice against, again, the rainforest, which is what I call the Bulldogs' forward line, just full of trees. <laughs> yeah, but um, I like but yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm. I'm still not convinced Grimshaw's hundred percent fit. Just with everything that's happened this season, I'm, he's been in and out a lot, and I'm, I'm worried there may be something slightly underlying there. I have no inside information or evidence, but <laughs> kind of just piecing information together. But um, yeah,
0: I think CJ's the perfect sub at the moment, you? depending on, on on to, who comes off.
1: So it's come on for a quarter and a half and go nuts. But they're good five inclusions
0: and all of them are good inclusions it's not like we're trying to um you know rotate guys through throw mud at the wall and see what sticks three of them are definite better players and best 23 players and two of them are fresh faces that we get to see where they belong in the fabric of this side
1: yeah i mean will day was probably leading what was not probably almost certainly leading the peter crimins medal and had a ridiculous in and out rate in terms of wins instead of bounces often beating up on second units admittedly but yeah, that Will Day's a, a gun. Mitch Lewis is our best key forward. And mind you, team who's rubbing their hands together with that news, Fergus Green. <laughs> well, Fergus it is Green, the Fergus Green Cup. Yeah, Fergus Green's been playing as a six foot one and a half, six foot two, essentially primary key forward. Now Mitch Lewis is six foot six is that He'd be, be the happiest player on the ground, I reckon.
0: Yeah, I think you'll look at um... I think Ferg will look at a Alex Keith or even a Bailey Williams matchup if that's what it turns out to be down back. Maybe a Bailey Dale who's got to follow him around and just be thinking. Yeah, this is this is a lot better than the Nick Murray who's arguably one of the more improved key defenders in the competition. Or this is better than Sam Taylor who was probably the All-Australian fullback before he went down with that hamstring tendon injury. So yeah, the Ferg's the word at the moment. A preemptive assumption. How many does the Ferg kick now that Mitch is back?
1: three because he takes half chances.
0: Yeah, all, all, I all three has, as well.
1: I think he has two really clear-cut opportunities and then he takes one, one or two 40 to 50% shots. That, and that's yeah. also why I think Mitch Lewis is so valuable because he also, especially with set shots, he converts ones that maybe an expected goal might only be two points in terms of expected score metric. Like he converts those 30 40% chances more often than not. And that's why he's so valuable, he and Green, because they're both, they're both extremely good kicks for goal. They so make us so efficient going forward. And that's what kept us in games a lot last year because we struggled getting the ball inside 50. We often struggled even getting quality inside 50s. But we had a couple of forwards who could convert difficult chances, and that's what kept us in games.
0: Yeah. I think the biggest impact that Mitch Lewis will have, if I could describe it in a sentence, is he'd kick Fogarty's goal. I, yeah. When everyone goes, no one else in the comp could have kicked that. Mitch Lewis could have kicked that. And Mitch Lewis would kick that, in my opinion, with some confidence. Um, yeah. Who worries you, mate, for the Dogs? I know this is probably a simple question given the two names that come to mind instantly. But who are the players that you reckon the Dogs can rely on if they're going to get the job done?
1: I've got four names that I wrote down. English, Bontempelli, Treloar, Richards. So Richards... Jeez, shout out Eddie Richards. He doesn't use the football all that well. He gets a lot of it in, in tight. So I think he's manageable if you put a lot of pressure on him because he doesn't use the ball that well when he's under pressure, statistically speaking. He's below average efficiency with the ball in hand, above average contested possession rate, correlation, causation Read, Make your own mind up there. <laughs> uh, Trelaw seems to bring his own football to the game every couple of weeks, but he's someone who might need to adapt more than most with Liberatore out he's mm-hmm. not going to be able to get that same uncontested ball in the second ring of the stoppage and get it out to and be that distributor. Yeah. Walton uh, Pelly, do we really need to talk about him much, or <laughs> is he just a gun?
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't want to... I know this is a, a Hawks podcast, but it would be remiss of me to not ask the question now. It's going to be difficult for us to say forever, because collectively we're not 50 yet. Is he the best dog you've seen? Or the best dog, we'll say, uh, 90s onwards... Because, you know, we're 90s kids, technically. I can hear people born in, like, 94 screaming at me right now. But sort of 90s onwards, uh, is he the best dog, do you reckon, in the likes of Chris Grant, Scott West, Brad Johnson and
1: the like? I think from what I've seen, I'm probably, like, you're probably slightly too young to truly remember Chris Grant at his best. But Well, I've watched him. Yeah,
0: the,
1: the only other name from what I've seen enough of a sample of is Brad Johnson. Mm. there's literally two names for me and the best dog that i've seen play meaningful football and that's brad johnson or chris, or marcus bontempelli
0: yeah
1: like chris yeah. grant would be right up there as well if I, I just haven't watched enough of him play that's fair but pick 104 it's... back in the day you... hey depends a bit on definition of late pick but yes
0: yeah <laughs> it's a good call it's a good call yeah i mean weirdly enough with libert out i'm not as worried about Trelaw. i mean on the outside streaming inside forward 50 um well we know he, he's not going to pass it he's a he's a, a man that loves a kick from 45 out and more than anyone Trelaw had 35 kick two on the weekend but his two goals were both around the contest he needed the extractor to get it out to him and for the first one, especially. But the second one was Freo just wanted to punch Rory Lobb, ignored the top of the square, left him on his own, and he snapped it on his left. I don't think our defense is that bad. Now, we've had some lapses this year, but I'm pretty sure we're not going to want to fight anyone in the in the D50 and leave him all alone. So maybe a little bit less worried than that. Bont and English, I agree with you. Um, English is a lock for the All-Australian Ruckman, in my opinion, at this point of the year. He would have to pretty much be injured at this point for Sean Darcy uh, to catch up with him. In my opinion, now that Jared
1: has gone
0: out. yeah, exactly. Nank injured as well. I thought he had a really good start to the year, also. And and yeah, yeah. Oscar McInerney's and Roland Marshall's of the world just aren't at that level. So the, the Bond, I mean, Connor Nash stand next to him. Good luck. <laughs> Can it be as simple as that? Do you think the old Trent Crowe style just put his opponent on his locker and say "stop him," and then he went out and
1: did so? Yeah, I mean, Connor Nash is bigger than Bond. Like Bond, Bond's often able to use his size and power. Won't be able to do that against Connor Nash, who is A, bigger than him, B, athletic than him, and C, probably one of the most ferocious tacklers in the competition. Um, mm. I spoke to a couple of players in different settings at AFLW games, and I asked them, what is it like to be tackled by Connor Nash? Is it unpleasant as it looks? <laughs> uh, yes, was the answer they gave, that being tackled yeah. by Connor Nash is indeed very unpleasant.
0: Well, is there a bloke in the competition?
1: You know, we, the
0: old million-dollar question. If anyone was running at you, the center square length, so that's the run-up they get, and they get to crunch up. Is, is there anyone you would want less than Connor
1: Nash, though? Uh, force equals mass times acceleration. He is not only big, he is quick. He hits, so he'll hit you extremely hard, and with perfect technique from being a youth international rugby fullback, I'm going to say no.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I'm pro- he's probably number one on the list of blokes I don't want to uh, I don't want to tackle me either. Um, but yeah, I don't really have anything else to add that. I don't think Bailey Dowell's in all that good form. Caleb Daniel and Jack McRae are being used as the highest half-forward, so I don't think that's going to be as big an issue. The one thing that I do want to tell Dylan Moore and Tyler Brockman, both were exposed late in games in the last fortnight, is don't let the extra go up to the stoppage. I know you're the half-forward. You've got to make a dangerous contest, but... If there's a centre clearance on offer and your man wants to become that out-the-back mid, I think they've got to follow them and then hurt them coming back towards the 50. It happened too many times in the last quarter of the last two games. Anyway, that's just my little tangent.
1: You can't give them a quarterback.
0: No, absolutely you can't, under no circumstances. Uh, Players to watch for the Hawks, but you can't mention your best on ground, mate, because we'll get to that last. But who are a couple of the Hawks that you'll be keeping a close eye on this week and, and hoping they do extra well?
1: Uh, very typical Liam, I'm going to say Ned Reeves, and that's, in part oh, because ma- and that's in part because he's matching up with Tim English. How do you neutralise Tim English specifically after the contest? Because statistically, Ned Reeves, I think, has the second best hit-out win percentage of all the rucks to have attended at least, 20, at least 20 stoppages this season behind Sean Darcy. Tim English rates below average in hit-out win rate. So I'd expect Ned Reeves to probably get on top in the hit-outs, However, Tim English is probably the best ruck in the comp. well, not probably, the best ruck in the competition right now in terms of once the ball hits the deck and is around the ground, how well he plays there. So how Ned Reeves deals with that, who has, to be frank, struggled around the ground for most of this season, How Ned doesn't need to do a lot himself. If he can neutralise Tim English, that will go a long way to go. So I'll really be watching closely to see how Ned goes in that real, that defensive ruck role, if you like. Yeah. And then the other one is, is Dylan Moore. Again, how we take those half chances in the forward line is going to be crucial if we're going to have any hope of winning this game. And Dylan Moore is a really, really underrated, frankly, player when it comes to taking half chances, especially running around on his right foot. You can tell he's learned from Luke Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> hasn't he just...
0: Uh, I, I mean, the guy that I'm kind of looking at in this game to establish himself isn't for his actual talent because he's got an abundance of that. And it's not because of the comments that he made about the Tassie and we're not going to talk about it, but I think James Sicily's leadership qualities have got a bit to stand up here because I think the Hawks are outside favorites and deserve to be. So the dogs are a better side at this point in time. But the one thing that I think Sis hasn't done this year is he hasn't really had that I'll carry us to where we want to go you know, coming off the ground with a couple of minutes left. And he admitted that was a mistake. He's a young leader. I'm not expecting perfection at this point in time, and nor am I saying that that's what what he should be delivering. But I just reckon he needs that balance of fearless leader, fearless competitor, plenty of the footy, you know, be best on ground, both on the field and maybe body language-wise. I think I'm articulating this poorly, but there's just been times where the Hawks have needed to wrestle back momentum
1: Needs to set it just hasn't
0: been led by him. Does that make sense? Or am I yeah, he yet? needs
1: to set the tone.
0: There we go. The barometer. I like it. Mick Malthouse hates us right now because he hates that word. But anyway, he's not a hawk, so stuff him. Um, I didn't good, know mate. that. <laughs> All right, mate. Tip margin best on ground, and then we might get out of here. But who's going to win the game? I don't know if you're in any tipping comps, but who are you going to tip in this game? Give me a margin, and who do you think Smithy's going to be giving that five-star rating to?
1: Unfortunately, I think the dogs get up by thirty-four. I just think they're a better side than us. I think they might put on a couple late. I think we give a good showing of ourselves. I just don't think our back line is big enough to handle all those trees on the in the perfect conditions of Marvel. The ball will be marked freely. And I just think the dogs will get it inside fifty enough that their forwards will just be able to clunk everything and they'll have enough shots at goal to win it. Uh, five stars, I reckon the fast track at Marvel will suit Jarman Impy.
0: Oh, you took mine! <laughs> I've got Jars written here. If Jars gets up now, this is a stitch-up. I'll change it because I don't. we don't need to share. This is why we need to prepare for these things because you've stolen mine. Well, if it's not going to be Jars and it's a quick deck and we need someone that can use the footy, give me Carl Amon, who's been outstanding since he comes in. Smithy will love that as well for when he's given his five stars. He might get an extra one because uh, of is.
1: Make the most of the biased adjudicator.
0: (laughs) Well, after 10 years of friendship, he hasn't given me a leg up, and I think it's going to start with picking Carl Amon for best on ground, but that is the Talking Hawks pod. (laughs) That is the Talking Hawks pod. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck to the Hawks for the Bulldogs game. We hope we have a pleasurable viewing experience, but I think the dogs get up by close to eight goals in this one. Unfortunately, with that, uh, well... I think the Hawks, as much as anything, might copper a, a big loss after two weeks where we should have got up but didn't. So the mental test is going to be a good one. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow the show on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Subscribe to Talking Hawks on YouTube. Hoping to hit 1250 subscribers before the bye. Enjoy your weekend. Hope you watch plenty of footy. Hope the Hawks get up. Go the Hawks.